Hello all my nieces and nephews and welcome to Auntie Jojo's Library. My library is open to all listeners but it was created for my wonderful nieces and nephews. I know I said last month that I was going to work really hard to release stories once a week but things happened and I was not able to. It's been quite some time since we have read a story in the library so I thought we would read a chapter book to end out the month of August. This book is called The Plant That Ate Dirty Socks. It's by Nancy MacArthur. So we are going to read chapters one through seven this episode, 13... Oh, sorry. (laughs) We're going to read one through seven this episode. Next Tuesday, we'll be reading chapters seven through 13. And then the last Tuesday of the month, we're going to be finishing the book by reading chapters 13 through 17. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get started. Michael was the world's messiest kid. His brother, Norman, three years younger, was as neat as a nut. This would not have been such a big problem except that they shared a room. Norman's side looked like a picture in a magazine. Michael's side looked like a junk heap. And I'm going to be honest, this is uh, kind of like Auntie Jojo and Auntie Bree, and I'll let you figure out which one's neat and which one is messy. There were clothes crumpled on the floor, socks and comic books under the bed, model kits with pieces scattered all over, baseball cards, rocks, bird feathers, pine cones, and heaps of books and papers. And that was just the top layer. When Norman was supposed to make his bed, he did just that. When Michael was forced to make his bed first, he had to find it. Mom kept saying about 42 times a week, pick that up put this away, throw that out. Dad kept saying, where does all this stuff come from? It's multiplying overnight as we sleep. Norman kept complaining, your junk is oozing across the middle into my side of the room. I'm going to build a wall, he yelled, to defend myself from your messiness. Michael yelled back, I'll build a wall so I won't have to look at all the neatness. No walls, said mom. How about drawing a line? They measured to find the exact middle. Then they made a line with tape right across the rug. Norman had fun kicking Michael's things back across the line if they were sticking over even just a tiny bit. When Michael had any clear space, he told Norman, your neatness is oozing over on my side. Ugh. Then he would strew more stuff around, more stuff than ever before. Even a touch of neatness would look like giving in. He daydreamed about inventing a robot that would make his bed, clean clean up his mess, and take Norman on a spaceship to another planet. Then he could amaze everybody by entering the robot in the school science fair. This was the first year he, he was in a grade he could enter. It was a long way off, but his friends were already getting good project ideas. One of these days, he was going to look through the junk to find something to make a really different project. In the meantime, the piles of stuff kept getting higher. He usually got his clothes off the floor and into the wash so he would have something to wear, but his dirty socks seemed to keep escaping. They got under the bed, under a book, under anything big enough for a balled up sock to hide under. Mom said, we're not buying anymore until your feet get too big for the ones you've got. Keep digging until you find those missing socks. 
At laundry time, Michael would go on a sock hunt, but he never seemed to find them all. Sometimes he found things that had been buried for months. Help, Norman yelled. This room is stinking under all this junk. Michael put a few things in the wastebasket to shut him up. He could get them back out later. Someday, Michael warned, I'm going to throw all this out when you're not home. Then I won't tell you where I threw it so you can't get it back. Don't you dare, said Michael. Maybe I'll just throw away one thing at a time. You'll never notice when it's gone. Norman was a big pain in the neck, but once in a while, Michael made a deal with him. If he wanted something from Norman, he would trade him some good junk he didn't want anymore. If Norman wanted something from him, Michael could get him to help clean up, since he was, as, since he was so good at it. See, it's easy, Norman would say. Not for me, said Michael. It's not one of my many talents. Michael hated to throw anything away. Sounds a lot like Grandpa Tim. Dad asked why he was keeping some mysterious pieces of metal and three dead batteries. He explained, I might be able to make something out of those. Mom told him to throw out the rocks and empty the pop cans. He explained, these are two of my collections. Norman protested about the Muncho Cruncho cereal box tops all over the place. Michael explained, as soon as I save up 25 of them, I'm sending them in for a free plastic race car kit. Michael was always sending away for things. It usually took so long for them to come in the mail that when they did arrive, it was a very nice surprise. One day, he got a small package with two dried beans in it. The leaflet with them said, Here are the amazing beans you ordered. For the best results, follow the directions carefully. There was no clue about what kind of plants these beans would grow. Michael could not remember what he had sent for. He planted one of the seeds in a big flower pot, and he put one in the side of a sunny window, window seal between the beds. The leaflet got lost, so he dumped some water in the pot and hoped that it would come out and be the right amount. Norman said, Whatever the plant turns out to be, it better not grow big and ooze over to my side. To shut him up, Michael gave him the other bean to grow. Norman watered his carefully every morning with his Super Splasher Water Blaster, a bigger... Th a bigger than regular water pistol. Michael warned, yours better not ooze over on my side. If it does, my plant will strangle your plant. Just what we needed, said mom, dueling plants. Every morning and afternoon after school, they looked to see if anything was happening with the amazing beans, but nothing. Then in Norman's pot, a tiny green dot appeared. My plant is growing faster than your plant, boasted Norman. Oh no, said dad. Now they're having a plant race. Two days later, Michael saw a pale green speck in the pot. Come on, plant, he said. Let's go. The next morning, it had grown an inch. After school, it was four inches high. Amazing, he said. Now I know how that story about Jack and the Beanstalk started. Norman's plant started catching up. Michael saw a TV commercial that said plants grow bigger if you feed them with plant food. He asked his mother if they had any. Look way back in the cupboard under the sink, she answered. If there's any left, it's in a green bottle. He found a half full green bottle with a label. He poured it on his plant and threw the bottle away. Mom called, be sure to give Norman half the plant food, but I already used it. Oh, I hope it won't hurt your plant. You're only supposed to use a tiny bit and mix it with water. I'll buy another bottle so Norman can feed his plant too. 
As the plants grew higher, so did the piles of Michael's stuff. His parents told him they were all going to a space movie Saturday. If he didn't clean up by then, he could not go. When his parents and Norman were going out the door to the movie, Mom said, You have to clean all that up by the time we get back, or else. Or else what? asked Michael. I don't know, but by the time we get back, I'll think of something. You've got two hours, said Dad, so hurry up. Two hours later, Michael was still dawdling along when Mom called up for, from a pizza place. I've thought of the or else. If you're done cleaning up, we'll bring home pizza. If not, we're going to eat it here. For pizza, Michael would do almost anything. Bring it home, he said. I'll be done when you get here. When they arrived, all the junk was gone. Mom said, you did a wonderful job. Dad said, nice work, son. What did you do with all that stuff? He must have hired a trash truck, said Norman, peering suspiciously under all the furniture. Where's my fishing hat? You're wearing it, said Michael. No, this is my baseball cap. My fishing hat is the green one. What did you do with it? I haven't seen it. Where did you leave it? It must be in the closet, said Norman. No, said Michael. I wouldn't look in there. Why not? What's in there you don't want me to see? Norman, don't open that door. Why not? Ah, oh, there's a monster in there. Ha, said Norman, grabbing the doorknob. Get out of my way. You won't like it, warned Michael. This closet's half mine, so if there's a monster in there, it better be on your side, said Norman. He yanked the door open. Ah, he exclaimed as stacks of Michael's stuff fell out in an avalanche all over him. Norman, are you all right? Michael asked. A pile of stuff, two eyes and a baseball cap slightly dented, were sticking out. <sighs> said Norman. What? Michael cleared the stuff from Norman's mouth. I'll get you for this, Norman was saying. I told you not to open the door. Michael dug him out. You made all this fall out of the closet, so now you have to help me clean up. No way, screeched Norman. He stomped out of the room. Michael started over. He stacked half the stuff in the shorter piles in his half of the closet. He crammed the rest under his bed. He even put a few things in the wastebasket. By the time he got to his share of pizza, it was cold. Pizza is good for you, said Dad, even when it's cold. Maybe it's good for plants, too, Michael thought. So he stuck a ti some tiny pieces of pizza into the dirt around the plant. Chapter 2 Both plants were growing fast. The sprouts turned into strange vines and began crawling up the window. As the days passed, little leaves spread out onto long pointed shapes. Then they curled up like dark green ice cream cones. Norman said, these plants look weird. You're right about something for once, Michael agreed. Michael's friend Jason, who lived on the other side of town, had his mother drop him off Saturday to see the plants. You're right, he said. These are weird. Norman was using the bottled plant food, measuring it carefully. Michael sloshed some of it in his plant once in a while. He also slipped it dessert, a dab of peanut butter, chocolate chip cookie crumbs, a spoon spoonful of pumpkin pie, and bits of muncho cruncho. His vines got thicker than Norman's. Were, where, were they getting fat from all the goodies? He switched to bits of vegetables to see what would happen. Can I have a little broccoli, please? He asked at dinner. Why, this is a sudden urge for broccoli, said Mom, passing it to him. I usually have to tell you to eat it or else. I want to feed some to my plant. Ah, said Norman. 
no fair feeding your plant extra stuff. I'm just experimenting. Dad said, those plants are getting too big too fast. If they keep on like this, they'll fill up the whole room. So no more feeding them plant food, not even broccoli, just sun and water. But that will wreck my experiment, protested Michael. No, you've seen how it grows when feeding. Now see how it grows without. But what if it collapses from no food? Dad smiled. That plant looks as if it can take care of itself. Mom added, it looks as if it could take over the whole house. Now eat your broccoli or else. Or else what? asked Michael. Or else tomorrow we'll have those plants for dinner, joked Mom. Both plants slowed down. Then Norman seemed to stop growing while Michael's kept getting bigger. Are you sneaking food to yours? asked Norman. When I'm sleeping. No, honest, I'm not, replied Michael. He was puzzled too. Then why is yours still growing when mine isn't? Maybe my messy growing methods work better than your neat ones. Mom came in with a laundry basket. They handed over their dirty socks, but Michael couldn't find could Mike but Michael could find only five escaped socks. There must be more somewhere, he said. They'll turn up, said Mom, the next time you clean up. But they didn't. The next time he found only three. This mystery, he decided, was easy to solve. Norman, you're sweeping my socks and hiding them while I'm sleeping. No, honest, I'm not. I wouldn't touch your yucky old socks. Okay, you guys, said Mom. We're all going to look until we find them. Norman, why are you putting on your football helmet? Because I'm going to look in the closet. He yanked the door open. Avalanche, he yelled, but not much fell out. He was only up to his knees in junk. Norman looked disappointed. He high-stepped out of the pile and dived into the back of the closet. Michael found one sock in his acorn collection box. Mom found another in a bulging book called The Glob That Ate Outer Space. Don't lose my place, said Michael, putting a blue jay feather between the pages where the sock had been. Ah, exclaimed Norman from the closet. A rolled-up sock came flying out and bounced off Michael's head. Ah, shouted Norman. Two more zoomed through the air and bonked Michael. Stop throwing socks, said Michael. I can't stop throwing them. Why not? Because I'm kicking them. Another sock sailed overhead. If you don't stop that, Michael warned, I'm going to drop kick your football helmet with you in it. No fighting, said Mom, and no more sock kicking. Norman came out holding a sock with one hand and his nose with the other. Give me that, said Mom. Now we're messing. Now we're missing at least ten more. They looked into and under everything. No more socks. Strange, said Mom, that there were more in the closet than out here. Yeah, said Michael. Mostly I dropped my socks right around my bed. That night, when he took off his socks, he put them on top of his acorn box right next to his bed. That way, they could not get lost among the junk. Okay, Norman, very funny. Where are the socks I put right here last night? I didn't touch your smelly old socks. Well, they couldn't walk away by themselves. Why not? Socks have feet in them. Come on, where did you hide them? Maybe the monster in the closet took them. The only monster that's been in the closet is you. Honest, I didn't take them. Something very weird's going on. They looked all over. They even used the magnifying glass from Norman's detective kit to search for clues, but the socks had disappeared. At bedtime, Michael told Norman, we're going to solve the mystery tonight. Good. I love a good detect. 
said Norman. Michael dug around in his stuff and found some black string, and he had known it would come in handy someday. He took off his socks, tied the string to them, and pulled them and put them where the others had vanished. Then he got into bed, lay there with his arms straight out, and told Norman to tie the string to his wrist. Norman got his super splasher water blaster and favorite disguise from the detective kit and climbed into the bed. You don't need a disguise in the dark, said Michael. I always detect better when I'm wearing one, replied Norman. He turned out the light and put on the disguise. Ready? asked Michael. Ready, said Norman. Then they left the door ajar so a little light could come in the hall. They could barely see the white socks on the floor. They lay there in dark waiting. Nothing happened. They waited some more. Norman was lying on his side, staring at the socks. Suddenly, one moved. It's moving, he shouted and began squirming wildly with his water blaster. Oh no, yelled Michael. I saw it, Norman insisted excitedly. It was creeping fast across the floor, and then it jumped in the air and it fell down. There it goes again, he yelled. No, said Michael. My nose started itch. I forgot to reach up to scratch it. I forgot and reached up to scratch it. Their parents ran in and turned on the light. There was Michael with the string and sock dangling. The water was dripping off his hair and the end of his nose. Norman was waving a giant water pistol and wearing glasses with an attached rubber nose and mustache. Water was dripping off the plant, soaking into the rug and bed and, and running down the walls. I know, said Mom, that there has to be a logical explanation for all of this, but it better be a good one or else. As they wiped up the ta- as they wiped up with towels, Michael explained. Mom took the socks for safekeeping. Norman refilled his water blaster, but Dad took it from him. But I need that, wailed Norman, to water my plant. No, said Dad. Everything in this room has been watered enough already. I'll keep it next to my bed so there won't be any more midnight underwater adventures in here. Since the beds were damp, Michael and Norman had to spend the rest of the night on the living room couch, one on each end with their feet kicking each other in the middle. As they were falling asleep, Michael whispered, Tomorrow, I'll think of a new master plan. Chapter 3 But the next day, he decided to try his original master plan once more. It might have worked if his nose didn't itch. But what if your nose itches again? asked Norman. I'm only going to use one sock, so I'll have one hand to scratch. Norman said, I don't have my water blaster, so I'll use my bow and rubber suction cup arrows. Your aim with that, said Michael, would be worse than the water pistol. We'd end up with rubber arrows stuck all over me in the ceiling. Then I'll just wear a disguise, so if something is stealing your socks, I can scare it off. My robot helmet looks pretty scary. See, if something sneaks in here, it'll expect to see two kids, not a robot. You should wear a disguise too, then it will get really scared. Michael thought Norman's idea was dumb. But wouldn't hurt. He dug around in his stacks and pulled out a rubber gorilla head. Where'd you get that? asked Norman, his eyes lighting up. I traded Jason Greensmith a lot of stuff for it. He terrified everybody in the neighborhood with it last Halloween. It doesn't look very scary, said Norman. It does when you have it on, replied Michael. Oh, good. Can I wear it, please? Michael could see this would be the perfect thing to make a deal with the next time he wanted something big from Norman. No, maybe we can make a bet. Maybe we can make a deal later. He said, "I'm going to wear it tonight. You get your robot helmet." After they went to bed, 
They whispered back and forth in the dark until they heard their parents close the door to their bedroom. Then they went to bed and they whispered back and forth in the dark until they heard their parents close their bedroom door. Uh, sorry, I think I read that twice. So then they got their flashlights from under the blankets where they had hidden them. Norman tied the string to Michael's wrist. Michael tied the other end of the sock, the other end to the sock. Then they turned off the flashlights, got into bed, and put on their disguises. Ready? asked Michael. Ready, said Norman. They waited a long time. Suddenly Norman whispered, If your nose itches, remember, don't use the wrong hand. Okay, okay. They waited some more. Norman whispered, How will you scratch your nose with that mask on? My nose is probably not going to itch. It hardly ever does. But what if it does? The mask has big holes under the nose to breathe. I can scratch through there. Be sure not to use the wrong hand. Will you stop worrying about my nose? Shh, I just want to make sure after what happened last time. Norman, if we're going to find out what makes these socks disappear, we have to keep quiet. It only happens when we're asleep, so we have to pretend we are. Norman was quiet for a long time, and nothing happened. Then he whispered, I hope it's a raccoon. Why? I love raccoons. Norman, stop. Then Michael whispered, Now don't get excited. I'm just going to scratch my nose. I knew this would happen, said Norman. Are you using the wrong hand? No. It was getting late, lying there in the dark, pretending to be asleep. Then they could not stay awake. Michael woke suddenly. Something was tugging the string. He whispered, it's moving, to Norman and switched on his flashlight. He saw something green curling around the white sock. A long vine from his plant was dragging it along the floor. He yelled at Norman to wake up. What? Norman mumbled, still completely conked out. The vine lifted the sock up to one of the big curled leaves. The ice cream cone shape slowly began sucking it in. Said the plant as the sock disappeared. Wake up, shouted Michael as he cut the string from his wrist. Norman, who had fallen asleep holding the flashlight, turned it on. Seeing a gorilla looming in the dark, he gave a loud eek as he leaped from the bed and zoomed out the door. His parents, awakened by the horrible noises, were getting out of bed to come to the rescue. Suddenly, they saw a ghostly robot hurtle into the room. Dad, still half asleep, grabbed Norman's super slasher water blaster from the bedside table. He let the robot have it right in the snoot. At first, the cold, wet squirt, Norman ducked and disappeared. Michael, running and running right behind him, got the rest of the water. Mom turned on the light. A short gorilla in wet pajamas stood at the end of the bed. You're not going to believe this, he said, but my plant just ate my sock. You're right, said the gorilla's mother. I don't believe any of this. Dad looked around. I saw something in the dark and it looked like a robot. Where's Norman? Down here, said a familiar voice from under the bed. I thought a gorilla was after me. Mom grabbed his feet and pulled them out. Remember, she asked, when nights used to be normal around here, when everybody went to bed and just stayed there? What's next? Frankenstein and Wolfman? My friend Bo got a good Frankenstein mask I could borrow, Norman suggested helpfully. No way, said Dad. Now, Michael, what about this dream you had about your plant? It wasn't a dream. I woke up and saw it suck up my sock. Dad said soothingly, Everybody has amazing dreams once in a while, and they do seem real. Michael turned to Norman. You woke up while it was happening. Tell Dad what you saw. All I saw was a gorilla coming at me in the dark, but I'm not going back in there. The plant might get me. He clutched his throat and made a horrible noise. 
Nothing is going to get you, said Mom. I think you've both been reading too many books like The Glob That Ate Outer Space. Let's find you some dry pajamas and then we'll check out that plant. You'll see that it's only a dream and there's nothing to be afraid of. Michael explained, it won't come after us. It only eats socks. Dad led the way to the boys' room and turned on the light. See, said Mom, your plant is just sitting there doing nothing as usual. Michael walked up to it, but I saw it eat the sock. He picked a black string off the floor. This was tied to the sock. There's the end I cut. The other end looks sort of chewed. His parents looked closely. There must be some logical explanation for this, said Mom, but I have no idea what it is. Michael replied, the logical explanation is that the plant ate my sock, especially since I saw it. There's a Venus flytrap plant that eats insects, said Dad, but this is ridiculous. This must be a sock trap plant, said Norman. The way it's been growing, said Mom, and with all those socks we're missing, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll prove it to you with an experiment, said Michael. He took a pair of socks from the dresser drawer and put them in front of his plant and with the other and the other in front of Norman's. He tied the black string around them and fastened the other two ends to the bedpost. Now Norman and I will sleep on the couch. We'll lock the door in the morning. We'll see what happens. He turned out the light, locked the door, and gave the key to Mom. A moment after the door closed, Michael's plant rustled its leaves as if it was a little breeze, as if a little breeze was passing by. Then it made a funny noise that sounded like a contented burp after a good meal. Chapter 4 Michael woke up early and awakened everyone else. Mom handed over the key. Michael slowly opened the door. They stared in amazement. The sock in front of Michael's plant was still there, but the one in front of Norman's had vanished. Michael was baffled. Norman was upset. Your plant reached over on my side of the room. It's not supposed to do that. I don't think it did, said Michael. He pointed to the string tied to Norman's bedpost. The other end was hanging from Norman's plant. My plant wouldn't eat your yucky old socks, Norman protested. That's it, exclaimed Michael. Those socks weren't dirty. I got them out of the drawer. The ones that disappeared before were dirty. That's the only kind I leave on the floor. So my plant only likes dirty socks. I didn't want a clean one. It didn't want a clean one. Then why hasn't Norman's eaten clean ones before, asked Mom. There haven't been any clean ones lying around. Norman never leaves anything around for long. Norman's plant rustled its leaves. Where did the breeze come from, asked Dad. There isn't a breeze, said Mom. None of the windows are open. The plant burped. That was definitely a burp, said Mom. Maybe we could teach it to say, excuse me, suggested Norman. So what we have here, said Mom, are two plants with finicky appetites. One only eats dirty socks and the other eats clean ones. Is that what's going on here? Michael said, that's the logical explanation. Don't talk to me about logical, said mom. This is wacko. At breakfast, mom said, those plants have to go. Go where, said Norman. In the trash, the city dump, outer space, anywhere but this house. No, protested Michael. Those are great plants. We have to keep them. They're creepy, said Mom, and they eat socks. Do you have any idea how much socks cost? Yeah, added Dad. Your plant has already caused a severe sock shortage, and now Norman's is starting. But those plants are special, said Michael, and we grew them ourselves from seeds. Norman whined, and mine burps. You can't just throw it out. I'll never find another one that can do that. Just give them a chance for a little while, pleaded Michael. You'll see that they won't be in any trouble. What about the socks, said Mom? 
We won't leave any on the floor, so they can't eat any, said Michael. Hmm, said Mom, stalling while she tried to think of another reason. What if they get hungry and start munching on something else? They won't, argued Michael. They only eat socks. Then maybe it wouldn't hurt to keep them a while, said Dad. But if anything goes wrong, out they go. All right, agreed Mom. But those plants better behave. Great, said Michael. Wait till I tell everybody at school. Wow, they'll be so surprised. Yeah, said Norman. I bet we'll be on TV. Oh, no, you won't, said Dad. You both have to promise that you won't tell anyone about those plants that eat socks. But they're the best, exclaimed Michael. It's amazing. I have to tell everybody, too, said Norman. Absolutely not, said Dad. If some kid told you at school today that he had a plant that eats sneakers, what would you think? Then he's a liar, said Norman. Right, said Dad. Nobody would believe you. It would be very embarrassing. If you want to keep your plant a little longer, we're not going to get into that. But we could bring people home to show them that it's true, Michael said. In the middle of the night, asked Mom. That's ridiculous. And if word got out, we'd probably wind up on the front page of one of those weird newspapers in the supermarket, right next to the picture of Bigfoot. That would be great, Norman said excitedly. I like Bigfoot. On the other hand, said Mom, if word got out, surely we'd get offers from scientists to buy the plants and take them away for experiments. That would be a good way to get rid of them. No, shouted Norman. Not my plant. Listen, said Dad. I'm due for a promotion. I've been working hard for. You know, I even gave up some vacations. If people start gossiping about our having plants that eat socks, we'll sound like the biggest weirdos in town. True, agreed Mom. My boss likes big plants, Dad continued. He has some in his office, but he's probably not going to be eager to promote somebody with a weirdo reputation. I don't want you two being called liars at school, so it's better to just not bring this up at all. I guess you're right, said Michael. If you want to keep those crazy plants, Dad said firmly, you have to promise not to mention the socks. Talk all you want about the plants, but not about their favorite food. Is that a deal? Deal, agreed Michael. Norman, asked Dad. He kicked a chair and scowled. <sighs> deal, he said. Me too, said Mom. My lips are zipped. They all shook on it. That night, Michael dropped his dirty socks and other clothes on the floor as usual. Then he picked them up and tossed them into the closet where his plant could not get to them. He was sure it would not be interested in munching on any of his other junk. Chapter 5 Early the next morning, Michael heard a burp. He thought he was dreaming and didn't bother to open his eyes. But then he heard Norman saying softly, Come on, say excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Okay, try one word at a time. Ex, eh, excuse. Michael opened his eyes. Norman was talking to his plant. What are you doing? If I can teach you to say excuse me, it'll be the only plant in the world that can burp and talk. Then mom and dad will have to let us keep them forever. You didn't feed it, did you? Only one clean sock just to get a burp. You can't do that. I said we wouldn't let them eat socks. If mom and dad find out about this, the plants are goners. Norman protested, but you fed yours. I did not. Maybe you didn't mean to, said Norman, pointing, but your acorn collection is gone. So was the library book Michael had left, the, left on the acorn collection the night before. This was serious. It meant he would have to pay for the library book out of his allowance. It also meant that nothing left lying around was safe anymore. 
He pulled the covers over his head to think about the terrible development. Say, excuse me, Norman continued patiently. When Michael got up to get dressed, he noticed his plant did not look as healthy as usual. It drooped a little, and some leaves were looking a bit yellow around the edges. You shouldn't have eaten the library book, Michael said to it sternly. What's wrong with your plant? asked Mom. It looks sick. Norman blurted out, it ate Michael's acorns and library book for breakfast. Thanks a lot, blabbermouth, said Michael. Mom was upset, to put it mildly. I told you those plants are trouble. If they'll eat your acorns and library books, they'll eat anything. Only one library book, said Michael, and don't worry, I'm going to pay for it. Norman exclaimed, I wish your plant would eat all the junk on your side so that your room would be clean all the time. Michael argued, it only ate that stuff because it didn't have socks. It looks like it's going to throw up, said Norman, helpfully. If a plant eats acorns, will it turn into an oak tree? Mom said, we're getting rid of those crazy plants. No, screeched Norman. Mine didn't do anything wrong. Michael thought fast. He really wanted to keep his plant, but was it worth it? Was it worth the supreme sacrifice? He decided yes. He asked Mom, what if I stopped leaving everything lying on the ground? Then the plant couldn't eat anything. Her eyes lit up. You mean you'd clean up your side of the room without being forced to and keep it that way? I'd never have to nag you about it. No more messiness. Is that what you're saying? Michael swallowed hard. He thought he could handle it for a little while at least. Yes, he said. That's a great idea, Mom exclaimed. It's a deal. Michael started putting stuff away fast. Dad brought him some cardboard boxes. Michael marked them nature stuff, collections, good junk, best junk. Mom marked another throwaway or giveaway. He sat in the midst of the junk, picking it all up and deciding which box to put it in. The piles were quickly getting smaller. It looks like neatness is finally oozing over to your side, said Norman. Ugh, said Michael. Stacking those boxes up makes a good wall. Norman started jumping over them. Up, up, and away, I leaped tall boxes at a single bound. His foot caught on top of one of the bulging best junk boxes. He crashed into the throwout or giveaway one, which was almost empty. The perfect place, said Michael. Are you all right? Yeah, replied Norman, sliding down so only his feet stuck out. You're throwing this away? He held up a yellow and blue plastic race car with one wheel missing. Can I have it? Okay. Mom walked in and saw Norman's feet sticking out of the throw or giveaway box. I wanted you to clean up, Michael. Sorry about that. Got interrupted with a quick phone call. I forgot to turn my phone on silent before reading in the library. So, um, mom walked in and saw Norman's feet sticking out of the throw or giveaway box. I wanted you to clean up Michael, but this has gone too far. Soon, everything was off the floor and into boxes, drawers, and closets. Mom walked around, all walked all around Michael's side of the room where no one had been able to walk before without climbing, slipping, or stumbling. This is wonderful, she exclaimed. Who would have thought that these big, ugly plants would turn into such a blessing? Don't call our plants ugly, said Norman. You hurt its feelings, Mom smiled. I wouldn't want to do that, she said. Not after the way those plants have solved the messiness around here. On her way out the door, she turned and said, Thanks, plants. Keep up the good work. Michael would never admit it, but he found that the neatness was turning out to be pretty good. Now, when he wanted to go find something, he knew where it was right away. No more digging, no more lost things. 
Best of all, Norman was going crazy because he had because he had nothing to complain about. He did make a nuisance of himself by bragging about how his neatness had taken over, but Michael did ignore that. To keep his plant healthy now that it had no socks to eat, Michael decided to try putting bits of food into the dirt again. He tucked it in in a little of everything from vegetables to fruit to cookie crumbs, but the plant didn't seem to thrive the way it had on socks. It was still bigger than Norman's plant, but it didn't seem to be growing much. He started measuring it and found that for a couple of weeks it hadn't grown at all. Give it some broccoli, advised Mom. Michael tried that, but the plant just stood there, limp and tired looking. Its shade of green seemed much paler. Norman's looked even worse. Do something, demanded Norman. There's only one thing we know that will work, said Michael. Norman ran to the closet, bed, to the to close the bedroom door. Socks? He whispered. Tonight we'll sneak them a couple, Michael whispered back. Both plants looked better the next morning. The boys figured a couple of socks would hold them for a few days, but no. After two more nights without sock snacks, both plants were looking bad again. We can keep this up for a while, said Norman, but sooner or later, Mom's going to notice that socks keep disappearing. Michael decided there must be some way to talk Mom into letting them feed the plant socks. After all, she really seemed to like the plants now because, because they were the cause of the neatness. Next morning, when he was putting on new socks, he looked at the price tag. Then he got a pencil and multiplied the, multiplied the price by seven. Did you think of something? asked Norman, hopefully. I'm figuring out what it would cost to feed our plants one sock a night each for a week. It's more than both of our allowances put together, but what if we could get, a, get along on less than a whole sock a night? Norman asked, like, half a sock a night would cost half as much? Right. That might work. Or we could start with a fourth, and if that doesn't work, then we could try a half. Now I just have to find out how much cat and dog food costs. My plan's not going to go for that, said Norman, unless I teach it to say, like, woof or meow. That's not what I have in mind, said Michael, mysteriously, as he went to the phone. He called Kevin Blackstone, who had a cat, and he asked him to bring a can of cat food to the phone and read the price. Then he called Chad Palmer, who had a dog. At school, he took all the numbers to Kimberly Offberg, the class math whiz. He asked her to help him solve the problem of comparing the cost of feeding two pets three different kinds of food in different amounts. He called the brands X, Y, and Z, like a television commercial. That's easy, said Kimberly. One-fourth of a can of brand Z is definitely the cheapest. Michael smiled. Brand Z was the socks. After school... He hurried home to explain the urgent need for socks and for and to persuade mom with the numbers. See, one-fourth of a sock a night would cost less than feeding a cat or a dog. Our plants are the cheapest kind of pet. They don't make a mess and they don't make noise. You don't have to walk them and they make sure to they make sure that I keep my room clean. Isn't that worth a few socks? And it would only cost a little of our allowances to pay for them. Wait a minute, yelled Norman. Not my allowance. How much is it worth for you to keep your plant alive? Asked Michael. That shut him up. And maybe mom will be willing to chip in to keep our rooms dang neat. Right, mom? Michael gave her the most winning smile. Hmm, replied mom. Michael pressed on. This is a good deal for everybody, he argued. We get our plants. We get our plants to stay alive and well, and you get neatness that lasts, okay? 
I certainly don't want to give up the neatness, said Mom. A little extra money for socks would probably be worth it. I could buy them at a discount store, save a lot. They have the cheapest prices on everything. But cheap socks might make the plants throw up, whined Norman. Michael kicked him under the table and he shut up. The nighty snots. <laughs> I keep wanting to say snot instead of socks because it's the nightly socks snack. Sock snack. The nightly socks snack quickly got both plants looking healthy again and growing. Michael kept on putting bits of food into the plant pot so he so his would still grow better than Norman's. Early one morning when Michael was up most was still mostly asleep, he heard a contented burp. Then he heard another one, followed by an X in a funny voice he had never heard before. Did you hear that? Norman said excitedly. Yes, said Michael. It's amazing, but you probably better not mention this to mom and dad. Michael snuggled happily under the covers. As he drifted back to sleep, he heard Norman talking in his own voice. Come on, say meow, try it. Me, me, meow. There was no reply from the plant. Chapter 6 Norman kept trying for days. Michael complained, I'm sick of you meowing at that plant. It's not a cat. It's my pet, said Norman. Then why don't you put a flea collar on it and call it Spot? I'm naming it Fluffy, he replied. Norman was driving Michael batty. He said good morning and good night to his plant. He called out, hi, Fluffy, when he came in the room. Goodbye, Fluffy, when he went out. Fluffy just stood there. Norman patted his leaves. He even read it a comic book. When he got home from school, Mom asked, how did things go today? Fine, said Norman. Tell me about it, she said, but Norman was already running off to tell Fluffy. He also sang to his plant. His favorite was Camp Town Races. He especially liked the doo-dah and the hoo-dah parts, which he sang at the top of his lungs. And if you guys want me to sing this song, you just let me know, because I know that, you know, I know Camp Town Races, and I know that you think that I'm a fabulous singer. So if you want me to say, you know, like, do-da, do-da. Um, I, just let me know. I'm available for birthday parties, and we've got one in October coming up. A couple in October, so Auntie Jojo can see Camptown races. Yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> okay, back to the story. Keep your noise on your side of the room, snarled Michael. I can't do that, said Norman, smiling. You can if you shut up completely. Quiet only lasted a few minutes, then Norman started howling, Duda, Duda. Michael threw a pillow at him and missed. Please don't throw pillows at me when I sing. I I, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna be hit with a pillow, but you won't because I have a beautiful voice. When Jason came over one day after school, he was amazed at how much the plant had grown. Want to trade for the big one? He asked Michael. I just went to a garage sale and got a lot of stuff to swap. I'll make you a good deal. Thanks, but no, replied Michael. I want to keep it. Jason looked over both plants carefully. These are so weird, they're great. Did you use some kind of special plant food to get them to grow big? Uh, well, just... You know, the stuff everybody has around their house, I guess, said Michael. He wanted to change the subject, but Norman does something different with his plant. He added, he sings to it. Mine loves music, said Norman, bounding bounding in from the hallway where he had obviously been eavesdropping. I'll show you, he began howling. Camp Town races. 
good, Norman, said Jason. To Michael, he added, let's go outside for a while. Even though he had lost his audience, Norman howled happily on. Fluffy seemed to be enjoying the concert. Jason asked Michael if he could come over to his house when his mother picked him up and spend the night. Mom told Michael, absolutely not. But why? If you go to Jason's to spend the night, then we'll have to return the invitation to him and have him spend the night here. Great, said Michael. You always... You always said I could have a friend sleepover someday if I ever got my room clean up. Mom yanked him into the kitchen, closed the door, and lowered her voice to a whisper. We can't have anyone stay overnight here while those plants are eating you-know-what. But, Michael protested, we'll have to continue this argument later, said Mom. Norman's singing has given me a headache. Michael gave up for a moment, but he was certain he could figure out some way to make J- to make sure Jason could not possibly see the plant eating socks in the middle of the night. Everything was going fine with the plants, but Mom was having a problem buying socks. At the Save-A-Lot discount store, she tried to go to different checkout clerks each time, but they all noticed she was buying an awful lot of socks. You're our best socks customer, one remarked. What are your kids doing with all these socks? Joked another. They must be eating them. Dad suggested she go to different stores, but Save-A-Lot has the very cheapest socks, she explained. The next time I'll go, he said. The third time he went, a clerk said, Are you by any chance married to a dark-haired lady who buys a lot of socks? We all wondered about her. We haven't seen her lately. She's fine, said Dad. We take turns shopping. Your family sure does use a lot of socks said the clerk. Your kids must have more than two feet apiece. When Dad got home, he told Michael it was his turn next time. Michael didn't argue. He didn't want to give his parents any excuse to change their minds about the plants. So next time, Michael went in while Mom waited in the car. The checkout clerk looked at the pile of socks, then at Michael. You look a lot like the man who buys a lot of socks here. You by chance related? Back at the car, Michael complained. I'm not ever going in there again. She wanted to know what we're doing with so many socks. What did you tell her? I said, our washing machine is broken, so when our sock gets dirty, we have to throw them away. Mom groaned. But that was all I could think of. Great, said Mom. Now I'll never be able to show my face in there again. You can borrow my gorilla head, he offered. Next time, Mom said, it's Norman's turn. For the next shock... For the next sock shopping trip, Norman wanted to wear a disguise. He put on his fishing hat and Dad's sunglasses. He also wanted to wear a stick-on mustache from the detective kit, but Mom took it away from him. They all waited in the car for him. Norman was gone a long time. I'm getting worried, said Mom. It doesn't take that long to buy socks. Maybe one of us better go in after him, Dad said. Not me, said Michael. Maybe with that disguise, he got arrested for impersonating a person. Just then, Norman bounded out with a big package. What took you so long? asked Dad. I was picking out some colored socks, and it was hard to see with the sunglasses on. I had to keep peeking out from under them when nobody was looking. Why colors? asked Michael. Our plants only eat white ones. I think Fluffy's getting tired of the white ones all the time. Mom looked at the bag. Why brown? she asked. Like chocolate, said Norman. And these pink ones? They're for strawberry? Yeah, Norman said. She pulled out some white socks with brown stripes. Fudge Ripple, explained Norman. The plants had grown so much that they had to be moved into bigger pots. These were hard to turn every few days so that the leaves could get sun on all sides. As Norman was pushing with all his might, he told Fluffy, 
I wish you had wheels. That gave Michael an idea. He dug around his boxes of junk to find an old skateboard. He had given up skateboarding after a few tries because he kept falling off. When he put the plan on the skateboard, it kept tipping over. So he traded with Jason for another old board and glued the two sides together. He also wrapped a lot of heavy wire around the boards and the pot to hold everything together solidly. They stuck to get the stuck together skateboards made his plant easy to wheel around. Norman nagged him and whined until mom agreed to get a couple of skateboards for him at the garage sale. Michael agreed to help glue and wire them together if Norman would stop bothering him. No singing and talking to Fluffy while I'm in the room for two weeks, he demanded. Deal, agreed Norman. So he only talked and sang when Michael was not there. When Michael was in the room, Norman hummed Camp Town Races loudly instead. I didn't promise not to hum, he said with a happy little smirk. Thank you so much for joining me for the readings of these chapters from The Plant That Ate Dirty Socks. Um, We will continue reading a few more chapters next Tuesday, and then the last Tuesday of the month of August, we will finish this book. If you have story suggestions, feel free to email me at antijojoslibrary at gmail.com. There is also an option to leave a voicemail message on whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast. It looks like a little plus sign if you're listening on Spotify, so you can click it, leave a quick message, let me know where you're listening from, and maybe if there's stories that you would like to here. Uh, our email is anti is um, antijojoslibrary at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram. You can get story highlights or also send us story suggestions there. As always, I'm looking forward to sharing more stories with you.